Hello, I'm Noelle Lim and you're tuned in to Maybank's ASEAN Speaks. As the year is concluding, we highlight our expectations for Malaysia's 2024 economic reforms amidst the runway to the next general elections, while exploring the impact of subsidies rationalisation on inflation. Additionally, we examine Thailand's lower-than-expected Q3 GDP and share insights from our Thai Bank Day, as well as discuss our equity strategy for Indonesia. Head of Fixed Income Research, Vincent Poon, moderates the call. Good morning, everyone. It's 8 o'clock on Monday. A quick recap for last week. Global stocks were generally higher. and US, the S&P 500 index increased 1%, bringing the total gain in November to 9% on growing market optimism of a soft landing in US economy. Both Nikkei 225 and Hang Seng indices were up slightly. In ASEAN, the performance was mixed. Indonesia and Philippines stock posted small gains but Singapore, Malaysia, and Thailand retreated. The U.S. Treasury yields increased last Friday when they reopened after Thanksgiving due to the sell-off in European bonds on supply concern. Uh, crude oil prices declined. WTI hovered around $75 per barrel on easing geopolitical tensions and a delay in the OPEC Plus meeting due to disagreements on output quota. U.S. inflation expectation over the next one year increased slightly to 4.5%, according to a survey by the University of Michigan. But long-term inflation expectation remains stable at 3.2%. The FOMC meeting minutes released last week show a slight dovish bias, where all participants of the FOMC committee agreed to proceed carefully on further tightening acknowledging that higher interest rate has started to wave on households and businesses. Flash PMI survey by S&P Global for November showed that U.S. economy remained in expansion, driven by higher business activity and new orders. But companies are wary of subdued demand conditions and cut their workforce numbers, resulting in a contraction in employment for the first time since June 2020. Japan, a core inflation that excludes volatile food, increased slightly to 2.9% year-on-year in October, uh, compared to 2.8% in the previous month, uh, continued to stay above the BOJ's 2% goal for uh, well over a year. And the market is pricing in about a 60% probability that the BOJ could hike rate by first quarter 24. Uh, for China, property stocks and bonds rallied on potentially more measures to support the sector. Uh, Bloomberg News reported that regulators are drafting a list of 50 developers that are eligible for funding support, and there could be a plan allowing banks to offer developers unsecured loans for the first time. When it comes to ASEAN, Bank Indonesia kept the policy rate unchanged last week. Uh, Malaysia and Singapore released their inflation data, but the result was mixed. Uh, Malaysia... Uh, both the headline and core CPI is further in October. Uh, but for Singapore, the core inflation increased more than expected to 3.3%. Uh, uh, this week, the key events to watch out for, uh, we have central bank meetings from the Bank of Thailand, uh, Reserve Bank of New Zealand, and also the Bank of Korea. Come Thursday, we have the US PCE prices, which is a Fed-preferred measure of inflation and also the OPEC Plus delayed meeting. All right, let's start with um, Suhaimi. Suhaimi, you wrote a report on 
um, Malaysian Macro um, mentioning that 2023 was a year of transition and 2024 should be the takeoff year. Can you elaborate what does this mean? Uh, what are the key government policy will be implemented in uh, 2024? Hi, Vincent. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, uh, with uh, 2023 coming to a close, we take the opportunity to, I guess, uh, undertake a bit of uh, thinking about what 2024 will be in store from a macro perspective. I think just to recap, 2023 was a year of transition for Malaysia in two aspects. First is the transition to a more stable political environment. Uh, secondly, uh, obviously last quarter, we have a string of announcements of blueprints, master plans, roadmaps uh, for the medium and long-term transition of the economy. Uh, just to recap, in July, we had Madani Economy Framework. And then in uh, month of July and August as well, we have the National Energy Transition Roadmap and ETR part one and part two. And in September, we had a new industrial uh, master plan, NIMP. Um, with that in mind, 2024 should be the takeoff year in terms of execution and implementations of the blueprints, master plans, roadmaps. Uh, this is because the government have a political runway of four years before the next uh, general election. And... Um, I think with that, uh, we think in particular fiscal reforms and economic uh, restructuring will be the main takeoff to watch for 2024. Key element of fiscal reform next year is targeted fuel subsidy rationalization to support fiscal consolidation under the Fiscal Responsibility Act in terms of lowering government deficit spending and debt as a percentage of GDP as well as uh, to support uh, NETR targets for emissions and EV ecosystem. We expect uh, the government to adopt several key approaches in uh, implementing targeted fuel subsidy rationalization. First is uh, strict enforcement to address the serious leakage in diesel subsidy, which is reportedly amounting to as much as 10 billion ringgit per year. Secondly, uh, we should see or look at the gradual adjustment from blanket to targeted fuel subsidy, especially in terms of adjustment in fuel prices going forward. And thirdly, uh, we expect the government to make uh, use of the central database hub or PADU, which uh, was developed since middle of this year, currently on system testing and trial run before launch in the January 2024 for personal data updates and verification in the first quarter of next year. Uh, the point about PADU is it is supposed to be the mechanism to means test eligibility for uh, target fuel subsidies based on net disposable income. Uh, from economic restructuring perspective, uh, the key thing is uh, labour market policy intervention and measure i.e. the main event here is progressive wage system of PWS in second quarter of next year. Uh, this is to address the economic, social, political issues of cost of living, adequacy of retirement savings and, and equality by essentially raising workers' incomes in terms of wages and salaries and thus uh, raising labour share of GDP. The target is to hit 45% labour share of GDP from current less than one-third uh, over the next 10 years. 
we also expect there to be uh, sector-specific, industry-specific policy announcements and measures to keep an eye on. Uh, this serves as follow-ups and complement the uh, macro and big picture blueprints and master plans as well as roadmaps announced uh, last quarter. So the things to watch include uh, enactment of the Government Procurement Act, uh, uh, also the establishment of a Renewable Energy or RE exchange. We also expect uh, releases of uh, blueprints for high-value, high-growth uh, sectors and industries together with an updated version of the National Automotive uh, policy. Okay, uh, thanks, Sir Jaime. I will move to Zamros on Malaysia balance of payments. Um, how is Malaysia's current account balance so far uh, this year? And what is your forecast for full year 2023 and also next year? Uh, hi, Midsen. Uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, yeah, the uh, current account uh, surplus uh, for Malaysia in the third quarter 2023 was uh, steady at uh, 9.14 billion ringgit or roughly about 2% of GDP, which is not much difference from the uh, uh, the performance in the second quarter of 2.1% uh, of GDP uh, as the larger goods uh, trade surplus uh, was offset by the bigger primary income deficit as well as the uh, sustained deficits in the uh, services trade and also the uh, secondary uh, income. Uh, so taking into account uh, the first nine months of 2023, uh, the current surplus of 22.5 billion ringgit or roughly about 1.9% of GDP, uh, we uh, revised downward our full year uh, current surplus for 2023 to uh, 36 billion ringgit or 2.1% of GDP from uh, 43 billion ringgit or 2.4% of GDP uh, previously. And uh, for next year, uh, we expect the uh, current, current surplus of 40 billion uh, ringgit or around 2.1% of uh, GDP. Not much difference from what it was uh, is going to be for, for this year. Vincent. Malaysia inflation, both the headline and core CPI is further in October. Uh, how long do you think this can sustain? Any upside risk next year uh, due to subsidy rationalization? Uh yeah, both the uh, headline and core inflation uh, eased further in the in October, uh, whereby the headline inflation was uh, 1.8% in October from 1.9% in September, and uh, core inflation at 2.4% uh, versus 2.5% uh, in September. So the, the, the easing in headline inflation uh, mainly because of the moderating uh, food and non-alcoholic beverages, uh, which is partly offset by the higher restaurants and hotels and as well as health uh, inflation, while uh, other CPI components were broadly stable with non-food inflation sustained the pace of 0.9% uh, uh, year on year. So on month-on-month -month basis, uh, headline inflation actually uh, uh, putting up a similar pace of 0.1% in October. Uh, versus the uh, September numbers, so with the uh, with the first uh, ten months of headline uh, inflation this year at two point seven percent year on year, uh, we maintain our full year twenty twenty three inflation forecast at two point six percent. As base effect is expected to keep the uh, monthly rate uh, inflation at sub three percent year on year 
for the remaining two months of uh, this year. Uh, so as far as uh, next year is concerned, uh, we already uh, raised our headline inflation forecast from 2.5% to 3% last month when the government released the uh, budget 2024. And for this, uh, for this month, we maintain uh, it at 3% uh, for now, uh, pending more information and details on the uh, measures that announced in the budget 2024, uh, especially the uh, removal of uh, price control and subsidies uh, on for eggs and fuel, especially diesel and RON95 uh, petrol. Uh, as at now, we, we don't know what other quantum will be and the timing uh, we expect to be uh, announced uh, later. Uh, other measures include the service tax uh, rate hike from 6% from 6% to 8%, uh, plus the expansion of services tax base. Uh, also, we have uh, the increase in excise duty for sugar sweetened beverages, uh, the imposition of excise duty on chewable tobacco products, and also the reduction of entertainment duty for Federal Trade 3, uh, KL, Lab 1, and Putrajaya. Uh, and for a start, we already seen uh, the chicken subsidies being discontinued uh, from 1st November of this year. Uh, Winston. Thanks, Zamros. We'll move to Brian for Singapore economy. Um, so, uh, Brian, uh, Singapore inflation, unlike what was shared by Zamros, where Malaysia was heading uh, lower still, um, the core and headline CPI rebounded uh, in October for Singapore. Uh, what caused the increase? Uh, do you expect more upside risk ahead? Morning, Winston. Morning, everyone. Headline inflation rose indeed to 4.7% in October compared to 4.1% in September. So this increase reflected higher private transport inflation, which was ultimately flattened by a low base. Private transport costs rose nearly 12% from a year ago. But if you look at month-on-month -month terms, the increase was more measured <clears throat> at just 1.6% relative to the 2.4% growth recorded in September. And yeah, so private transport inflation is being influenced by um, the higher COE prices, uh, which has uh, led to an increase in car prices. Core inflation picked up to 3.3% from 3% in September. This reflected a pickup in services, retail, and utility costs. The rise in services inflation was led by holiday expenses. And while the rise in utility costs was due to SP hiking its uh, electricity tariff, which uh, happens every quarter. Going forward, we are expecting core inflation to be sticky near current levels, ending the year at around 3%. There will likely be an uptick in early 2024, given the planned GST and carbon tax increases in Jan 2024 and also hikes in other administrative prices such as water and public transport fares. The, ups, the oil price outlook remains uncertain and may be subjected to upside risk if the Israel-Hamas war broadens or if OPEC Plus opt for deeper cuts. There will also be lingering wage cost pressures amid a tight labour market. That said, our base case remains that core inflation will cool marginally over 2024 on the back of declining import cost pressures and also lower services inflation. Now, headline inflation should moderate over the course of 2024 as LTAs carry forward of uh, COE quotas helps increase uh, car supply and temper car prices. Back to you, Vincent. On Singapore, third quarter GDP 8 came in better than expected compared to the advance estimate. And also manufacturing sector also returned to growth in October. Uh, what are the bright spots? 
and do you, or what does it mean also for growth outlook? The outward revision in third quarter GDP was mainly due to an upgrade in services growth. Services grew by a resilient 2.3% year-on-year in the third quarter with a pickup in externally oriented sectors. Wholesale trade, for instance, is benefiting from higher regional trade volumes fueled by electronic components and petroleum products. Finance and insurance saw positive growth of 1.5% year-on-year for the first time since third quarter of 2022. And this was led by fund management and payment services. As for the manufacturing sector, the recovery in October was led by nearly 15% growth in electronics uh, with uh, semiconductor output hitting a record high. This is on the back of a pickup in global semiconductor sales as uh, cheap inventories normalize. In addition, there have also been capacity expansions in Singapore as MNCs diversify supply chains out of China. Uh, such as, um, for instance, Global Foundries actually uh, expanded its capacity uh, in the country in September. Other manufacturing segments are also improving. For instance, chemicals fell by just 1% from a year ago, which was the least since July. Precision engineering fell 2%, which was the lowest in eight months. The manufacturing pickup means that fourth quarter GDP growth should comfortably exceed 2% year-on-year, which affirms our full-year forecast of 1.1%. Our forecast is for GDP growth to rebound to 2.2% in 2024, and this will be led by a continued recovery in manufacturing and other external-facing sectors. This will be fueled by improving external demand on the back of the global electronics recovery, falling inventories, and also a normalization in global consumer spending towards goods as the revenge spending in services fades. Back to you, Vincent. Brian, you also cover Indonesia and the central bank kept policy rate unchanged last week. Uh, what are the key takeaways briefly and also next move for Bank Indonesia, hike or cut? Yeah, so BI's rate pause last week came on the back of recent gains in Arubia as uh, US dollar strength receded. The central bank said that the probability of a Fed rate hike in December has uh, fallen. And it also said that it will lean more on its uh, rupiah stabilization tools to um, support the rupiah, such as by direct intervention, uh, i.e. Um, selling foreign reserves and also issuing securities to uh, attract capital inflows, such as SRBI, for instance. Uh, we are expecting BI to hold the policy rate in December. Our forecast assumes that the rupiah remains broadly stable next month, based on our house view that the Fed's hiking cycle has ended. Additionally, the US dollar tends to be seasonally weaker towards the year end, according to our FX team, which may show up the rupiah. Next year, we are projecting 75 basis points of BI rate cuts starting from the third quarter. And this trajectory assumes 75 basis points of Fed rate cuts in the second half of 2024. Nonetheless, we think that BI's policy rate path will ultimately be very data dependent. Uh, BI will be watching incoming data and the Fed closely to decide what moves should it take next. Back to you, Vincent. Thanks, Brian. And we'll move to Erika on Thailand. The third quarter GDP came in well below consensus at only 1.5% year on year. What caused the downside surprise? Do you expect additional lift from, let's say, tourism recovery and also fiscal disbursements uh, through the digital wallet? 
Morning, Vincent. Um, indeed, so Thailand's GDP growth at 1.5% in the third quarter was lower than the 2.4% that the market was expecting. Uh, so two things uh, stand out for me. First was uh, manufacturing activity declined more sharply instead of improving. So it fell by minus uh, 4.0% uh, after declining by 3.3% in the previous quarter. And what was concerning was that the decline was broad-based. It was spread across the light industry, capital equipment, raw materials, manufacturing, as well as tech production. Uh, the other thing that stood out for me on the expenditure side was that although consumption was still strong, um, inventories actually shaved seven percentage points of headline GDP growth. So agricultural stockpiles, especially that of rice, fell sharply in the third quarter. Now, if you recall, there was very strong demand for Thailand's rice exports in the last quarter. But it also coincided with the off-season for rice harvesting. So farmers had to dip into stockpiles in order to be able to sell those large amounts of rice. Um, but the good news is we do look forward to them replenishing stockpiles um, and and that will add a kick to growth in future. Um, so looking forward, uh, we expect private consumption to remain very strong on the back of uh, the job market um, being at its strongest in 15 quarters. And we also see private investment rising. And as you've pointed out, uh, tourism recovery is still going on gradually. Um, with regards to the digital wallet, uh, we believe that that will also boost private consumption in the coming year. Um, the only two key things to note are that number one, um, there is execution risk uh, because there is the non-negligible risk of a legal challenge um, in uh, parliament to the government's spending plans. Uh, secondly, uh, the government was pinning its hopes on um, every one but of the handout, resulting in hopefully uh, one but or even more of spending by households. But um, that may not come to pass. So households may prefer to save the additional income from the handout or even uh, pay off some of their debts. Uh, and also, um, at the same time, the government might have to cut back on other areas of spending uh, because the digital wallet is expected to cost about 3% of GDP. So this, uh, in order to prevent uh, the budget deficit from ballooning, uh, might end up in the government cutting back on some areas of spending. So I think because of that, um, we are uh, cutting um, our GDP growth forecast for this year uh, to 2.3% from 2.9% previously. But next year, we are maintaining it at 33 6% GDP growth uh, without factoring in uh, the impact of the digital wallet. Back to you, Vincent. Okay, thanks, Erika. I will move to Desmond on Malaysia banking. Desmond, you expect second half earnings to be weaker compared to the first half this year, but have a positive outlook on the sector. Uh, can you explain why and also what is your earnings forecast for 2024? 
Yeah, morning, Vincent. So just to recap, this year has not been an easy year for the banks, given the pressure on margins. But to their credit, they churned out pretty decent earnings in the first half itself, with cumulative earnings up uh, 22% year on year. So into the second half, we're expecting it to be softer amid lower investment income assumptions. And so we project second half earnings to contract by just about 4% half on half. But even so, we expect cumulative core net profit to expand 10% this year and 6% in 2024. And this compares against a 10-year earnings CAGR for the sector of just 4 percent from 2013 to 2022 itself. So what stands out for the sector will be the valuations of the banks. The stocks within our coverage currently trade at a one-year forward average 2024 um, PER of uh, 9.2 times, which is lower than even the minus one standard deviation to mean of 10.1 times. Valuations currently are close to the COVID low of 8.3 times that the sector regist registered in October 2020, which in our view is not justified given the resumption in earnings growth. Uh, for instance, Maybank, Bank Islam and RHB are trading below their long-term mean valuations, while the other banks are in fact trading at more than one, minus one standard deviation below their one-year forward uh, mean PER valuations. Um, moreover, if you take a look at the dividend yields of the sector, they currently average a decent 5%, with Alliance Bank, Bankism and Maybank offering uh, more than 6%. As such, our positive stance on the sector is largely predicated on sustained earnings momentum, attractive valuations and decent dividend yields. What are your top picks? So currently our top picks in the sector are CIMB, Public Bank, AMMB, Hongnam Bank and Alliance Bank in that order of preference. Thanks, Desmond. We'll move to Jesada on Thailand banks. Jesada, you hosted Thai Banking Day event recently. What are the key takeaways? And also, you have a positive outlook on the sector. Um, what underpin your, uh, what are the rationales? Any risk on asset quality given weaker Thailand economy? So at our Thai Banking Day event, uh, most bank uh, indicate that the Thai economy are weaker than expected in the second and third quarter this year. And we see the weakness in the asset quality, especially in the high yield segment that focus on the low income earners, such as the unsecured personal loan and credit cards. But we remain positive a look on the Thai banks and we expect the net interest margin to grow Q on Q as most banks uh, increase the lending rate about 25 basis point in the fourth quarter this year. And we also expect the asset quality to improve uh, in the second half uh, in 2024. Actually, it should uh, bottom out in the next uh, six months. What are your top picks in the sector? Bangkok Bank and Kung Thai Bank our topics due to the good earning visibility and the stable asset quality. And we also see K-Bank as the best pay on the asset quality equally in 2024. Thanks, Jasada. I will move to Jeff on Indonesia equity strategy. Jeff, how is the nine month, the first nine months, 23 results? And what are your recommended strategy for Indonesia equity markets? in the face of uncertainties from external macro environment and also domestic election in 2024. Hi, Winston. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, for the nine months uh, result uh, are 
quite consistent with our expectations. Uh, actually, Naiman's profits uh, indicates uh, resilience among companies and also uh, demonstrate an ability to pass on higher input costs. But we see a bit a weak uh, top line growth, especially uh, starting in the second quarter 23. And, and also we, we see the trend continuing in the third quarter. But in terms of the bottom line uh, of our universe are quite in line, achieving around 74% of our uh, uh, full year uh, forecast. Uh, overall, we downgrade uh, one, one company and raise uh, target price for two companies and reduce uh, target price for, for one company. For the result, we uh, we upgrade uh, a target price for Bank Mandiri from 6,400 to 6,685. Uh, for retailers, LPPF, we downgrade from our our to target to new target price of uh, 1,500. And for Indosat, we we actually we upgrade from 9,000 to 11,500. And for Goto, we downgrade from 150 to 110. Okay, yeah. Um, thank you, Jeff. And thanks everyone for joining the call. Have a good week. For more information, contact a trading representative at Maybank or access our research reports on our trading platform. I'm Noel Limonazian Speaks by Maybank. Bank.